stuff. Welcome to episode 51 of the Good Stuff Kids podcast. I'm your host, Mike Mason. Thanks for finding my show where I talk with creators of certified and bona fide good stuff for kids and families. On today's show, I talk to Corey Hills, whose specialty is something called percussive storytelling. Yeah, percussive storytelling. It's amazing to hear him talk about it. Very, very cool. He uses stories and drums and music to bring them to life. Really fun talking to Corey. As you know, I play a little bit of drums myself, and it was really fun to to talk to Corey and, and really dig into what he's all about and what he's doing. If you stay tuned all the way to the end of the show, you can hear his version of I'm My Own Grandpa from his new album from 2016 called Drum Machine. Gotta check it out. Gotta check it out. Additionally, we'll count down the top four songs in my car, plus one I try to get my kids to listen to. If you need anything, and I like truly mean anything, you know, like like, uh, uh, how to find me on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, all you need to do truly is go to www.goodstuffpod.com. www.goodstuffpod.com. It's where it's all, it's everything is there. Like all of the episodes, every single one that has been released up until this point is there on that website. Can you believe it? Yeah, it's true. You should check it out. See if I'm lying or see if I'm telling the truth. Who knows? There's only one way to find out. www.goodstuffpod.com. Additionally, later this week, the debut of the second podcast of the Good Stuff Network, Good Stuff sports coming this week we'll find it on itunes i will be sure to include it in in my social media ing where you can find it how you can subscribe i think it's going to be a a really cool show i'm really excited about the potential that's there thinking about it in terms of like a sports illustrated for kids but a podcast that i do that sports illustrated has nothing to do with but it's mine and i talk to the people and uh, could be cool, should be cool, you know, for the athlete and all of us or the wannabe athlete and all of us. So thanks for listening today. Hope you enjoy the show. Stay tuned again all the way to the end for Corey's version of I'm My Own Grandpa. And be sure to check him out at splatboombang.com. If that's not the greatest website next to www.goodstuffpod.com, then I don't know what the greatest website on earth is. Splat boom bang to check out Corey. Four plus one. Four plus one. You know the drill. Top four songs in my car plus one I try to get my kids to listen to. Coming in at number four this week is June Apple by Mud Crutch. You know Mud Crutch? Tom Petty's first band. This is so fun. Coming in at number three is a song from a dance party we've been having at our house. It's been really rainy here in the Bay Area, so we've been doing a lot of dancing. And uh, apologies in advance for this one. I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. No, tell me what you want, what you really, really want. 
Yeah, that one is equally painful now as it was then. Coming in at number two is Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings version of This Land is Your Land. It's been a pretty profound week here in in the United States. And you know we try not to be political here on the Good Stuff Kids podcast, but uh, Mrs. Good Stuff did go to the march and rally in San Francisco, and lots of my friends went to San Francisco and San Jose and and people in D.C. and people in New York and people in L.A. And it's kind of an amazing thing to watch this country come together. It's very, very tricky. I don't really know how this is all going to play out, right? And that's not my job to know how it's going to play out. But it's uh, interesting to feel like you're on the cusp of something. Don't know what that something is. And that something could be kind of scary. But luckily we have this version of This Land is Your Land by Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. Sharon Jones, who we will miss and continue to miss very much. But this version of the song and the song itself and what it represents just rings true in every way. This land is your land. This Land is Your Land, a classic by Pete Seeger. It led me into a little bit of a, listening to that song led me into a little bit of a Pete Seeger rabbit hole, and I found a a Bruce Springsteen album where he covers all kinds of Pete Seeger songs. And uh, I've never been a big Bruce Springsteen fan, but this album is so good. It is so, so good. So coming in at number one, not even the plus one this week, but the number one that my kids actually got a kick out of is Bruce Springsteen's version of Erie Canal. Filled with lumber, coal, and hay We know every inch of the way From Albany to Buffalo Love Bridge, everybody down Love Bridge, yeah, we're coming to a town You always know your neighbor and you always know your pound Never navigate it on the Erica now Our plus one this week is The Boss by James Brown. This is one of the best ever. The very, very best, best, best ever. Played it for my kids, and I know you all want to know, was it a winner? Well, it was not a winner. Not a winner. I 
If you liked anything you heard on this week's countdown, you can find all of this music on Amazon, Apple, or Spotify. Support these artists. And listen to more Bruce Springsteen. I think it's good for you. Look at me. Know what you see? See a bad Stuff. So I did my master's there, and then I got a research fellowship for a year in Italy to work at this uh, very interesting place called Institute Fabrica, um, okay. like fabric with an A, Fabrica. <laughs> and uh, it's uh, kind of like a think tank for young artists from all over the world, sponsored by the United Colors of Benetton. Oh, interesting. I, would, the, I, was, well, not, I was not expecting the Benetton. I just got to say. Yeah, <laughs> there, yeah I uh-huh. know. But their corporate headquarters are there. That's where he started it. That's where he lives. And um, and he built this facility. And we would do their ad campaigns, um, graphic design stuff. We we had projects with the UN and other kind of art, crazy European postmodern art projects. Wow. Uh, social awareness was really the big, the yeah. big focus. Um, wow. It's a very interesting place. Yeah, sure, sure. And then that, and, that's kind of where the roots of storytelling took hold. So that's kind of it's sort of like an important. Uh, that's an important turning point, kind of thing. How oh, interesting. Um, yeah, because my roommate there, I lived with a Senegalese griot. It's a G R I O T, and, and a griot in West African tradition um, would be someone who's in charge of genealogy. Uh-huh. For one, so they're they're basically the the holders of knowledge for the families of who was married to whom, who died when. Um, so they and they're in charge of all rites of passage, all dates, all memories. They're they're like the uh, encyclopedia uh-huh. for the village. And what's interesting about the griots is they always sing and dance and play drums while they tell these stories. So essentially, drums. And the stories go together. Uh-huh. They're, they're one. And and so my roommate was a, he was a djembe maker, a band leader. I mean, he, he was kind of a jack of all trades, but he came from a small fishing village in Senegal. And he was, his father was a griot. And he, he, he was sort of, sort of one, but I mean, he, he put his own modern slant on things. And so I kind of took the idea of the storytelling fusing it with percussion, but not in the West African tradition, kind of my uh, classical world uh-huh. interpretation of it. And so that's what fused the storytelling part with the percussion. Right. Wow. Well, so we kind of just jumped right in a little bit, which is... Uh, I went right in. You, I did not... You, you did not hold back, and that's a great thing. Um, so let me just... Let me introduce you, because we've got a man. we got a man here who knows some things. We're here with Tor- <laughs> Corey Hills, welcome to the Good Stuff Kids podcast. It's so good to meet you, and I think you're going to have a lot to teach us. Uh, so you were talking about storytelling, and something that you do is called percussive storytelling. So I guess like a little bit of background. What is percussive storytelling? You mentioned a little bit about how you got there. Um, and I think that's a, a fascinating start to the story. Can't wait to hear more. Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, it's good. It's like good. in there. I forgot to say hi. How does that work? Uh, so, percussive storytelling is a program that I developed that fuses elements of vocal storytelling with classical music, 
And with that, I, so in, in, in essence, I tell these stories vocally while playing percussion music that I composed. And the stories are either um, adapted from folk tales, uh, which are you know numerous and plentiful around the world, or I write my own. So it's sort of a split with the, the stories. And then the music, I compose all of that. And then I put them together into these programs and present them to, to kids, mainly. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I've given about 430 performances to about 70, 75,000 kids in eight different countries. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of a, a small program that has, it's like the little program that could. That, program, it just yeah, kind of keeps, keeps growing and growing. And it's a lot of fun. And I'm always writing new stories, composing new works, trying things out. Um, and so that, that's in short what, what percussive storytelling is. Yeah. It's been defined kind of like, if you remember Peter and the Wolf, uh-huh. the old, uh, oh, not old, well, yeah, I guess it's old, <laughs> the classic. Yeah, um, classic. It's Total kind classic. of Peter and the Wolf, but for more of like a 21st century slant. Oh, and um, the way that it, that I, it works is I, I really bank on these things called leitmotifs, and a leitmotif uh, in classical music was kind of popularized in turn by uh, Wagner, opera compo- mainly an opera composer in the uh, late 1800s, you know, 18, but yeah, romantic era of music. And what it means is like it's a sound that represents something in the story. So a sound to a word. And, and the most common thing to do is to take all of the proper nouns, all the people, places, and things, and assign a sound to them. So every time I say the boy, I hit the woodblock. And the boy, the boy, the boy. And then the boy becomes the woodblock. And so I integrate those sounds into the story so that when I say these words or or conjure up these images or movements there's sound that accompanies them but the sounds are then familiar to the audience Uh so i I listened to your record drum factory and i guess a a follow-up question to that point is is there a time when you're doing a story when you're telling a story where there's no words that it's just you playing and and people are like following along like in that way yeah, so it, that's, that's an interesting question. When I, when I first started out, it was, you know, I, I am a percussionist by training. I'm uh-huh. not an actor. I'm not a storyteller. I'm not a, a theater person by training, not at all. Um, I'm a percussionist and a percussionist first. So when I first started doing this, it was like heavy on the percussion, less on the storytelling or uh-huh. the, the vocal part. And... I found that while I really enjoyed that, my audience suffered a little bit um, because, like, it is sort of like a band who, and the guitar player just takes too long of a guitar solo, you know, and you're like, come on, let's get back to the verse, guys. Yeah, you know? yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And so I started cutting that down, and, and over the last, I guess, six years, from my first album called The Lost Bicycle to the second album, which came out just this last February called Drum Factory, it's gone from, like, an 80-20 split of heavy on percussion and vocal storytelling to much closer to 50-50, maybe 60-40 now. Or oh, wow. Great. You know, like, so I, I'm trying to emphasize the vocal part more. Yeah. Um, I think audiences like that, and, and um, but then, I don't know. 
it must yeah, be it must be pretty wild to see you because like there's lots of intricate parts, right? There's there's lots of instruments being played <laughs> and lots of different rhythms happening at the same time. So it's got to be pretty wild. Uh, and I'm sure you get this a lot from the audience when you when you're doing a concert and you're like, telling a story and you know you're. You're not, you're not, you don't seem pressured. You know, it's not like you're right. it's not like you're winded. <laughs> yeah, everything's under control. But it must be quite a sight to see you playing all of these different pieces of percussion and telling the story at the same time. Yeah, it's um, I I I'm like the master of the guy who can rub his rub his belly and pat his head at the same time. Yeah, you know, um, I I guess a good example of that would be the title track, Drum Factory, off yeah. of Drum Factory. Yeah, which um has me assigning myself to play these things right. at different times. And then it just kind of keeps building and building to this frenetic finale. Um, and that's kind of cool. It's like one-man band style. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, definitely. It's not easy, but, I mean, when you've done it a long time and, you know, I practice the heck out of these and workshop them, um, it gets easier and easier yeah. to where I'm I'm able to, to speak with the percussion and that and, and to be honest things like um things like drum factory are easier than some of my other stories because the words line up with the rhythms uh-huh. so it's like when i speak i also hit something right and so for your brain that's a little easier to kind of to kind of grasp yeah um, your body moves with your voice. But some of my other stories where I've created these kind of soundscapes that happen, and then I speak over that um, more fluidly, more lyrically, Yeah, that's a lot harder. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I have to keep one thing going at one speed uh-huh. with my hands or my feet, but the voice needs to go over top of that yeah. and not sound so percussive right. and rhythmic. And, and not get swayed by the rhythm exactly exactly yeah i can't i can't let my hands mess with my yeah so so for 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 budding young drummers right budding young (laughs) percussionists so uh, there's a lesson here and the lesson is and i'll let you say it but um practice it doesn't come easy so tell (laughs) us you you mentioned workshopping but it, it it hasn't always been natural so can you tell us a little bit about the like the muscle memory and how it gets easier and what the practice regimen is like? Absolutely, um, it's pretty boring. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's 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 not exciting. I mean, whenever anyone sees a, a musician out on stage, they're like, "Man, what a life!" You're like, well, yeah, I spend <laughs> a few hours a day by myself in a room practicing, so that I can bring this to you. Um, well, I, I can say that the the first story I wrote, which is called Drum Fat, or sorry, the first story I ever wrote was The Lost Bicycle, which is the title track of the first album. And I had I worked on that for about two years before it actually became what it was, or or what it is now. It's and and it and the reason why is is like I didn't know what I was doing. It was really hard, and I was changing things, and I was letting the audience help me edit the story you know uh-huh. and then the next story and the next story and the next story was less and less and less because there are two aspects of this there's the practice the physical practice of hitting the things in the right time and memorizing where things go but then there's understanding how to craft the stories for the things to go together mm-hmm. 
And so the crafting got, got easier. And so then when I practice, it's a more focused practice on what I need to do. And so for the practice, I, I record my voice sometimes or record the instruments and then I, by themselves so that I can practice with just the hands playing. Or if I have recorded the instruments, then I can practice speaking it. And then you simply go through word by word, oh, sentence by sentence, phrase by phrase, practicing lining things up. And at that point, you have sentences and paragraphs and phrase, you know, larger phrases, but you're still not telling a story. You're just reciting things. And so to me, the real, the real difficult part or in, the, in that real like amazing part that I still work on um, is what I call the last 10%. So what I mean by that um, oh, is... We're getting up, folks. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, 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 it's okay. I thought we were going to get a, uh, a demonstration. I, I can in a sec. I can definitely uh -huh. show something. Um, oh, yeah. Hold on. I'm going to move this over. Okay. So that I can actually demonstrate something. Um, so what I mean by the, the 10%, um, let's see here. It's always the fun part is trying to get the video to work. Hold on. Oh, there's a lot of stuff in here. Yeah. I have a lot of toys. Yeah, okay. We can uh, we can definitely edit this edit this down so it sounds like a seamless thing. Oh, perfect. <laughs> this, yeah. So I, this is a draw uh, drum. I'm gonna I'm gonna show you in a sec. But um, before that, it, what I call the ten percent. So ninety percent of what you do comes pretty quickly and is and is simply the work part of just workhorsing it like like just practicing and practicing and practicing like I said before putting your hands with the voice the voice with the hands the words the sentences the paragraphs etc but that only creates these sort of truncated phrases um, and will the the fun part, that last 10% that I, I think you never get, you can only ever get up to like 99.9, .9, is when you're actually telling the story and you have this, this the form, the flow, uh -huh. the true uh, arc where, you're, um, where you've mapped out how your voice goes, how the crescendos happen, where the big moments are, the climax, the uh, denouement when you're if you will, when you're telling a story, which is uh -huh. after the climax, the sort of resolution and the slow fade away. And that only comes by performing right? and testing things and getting feedback from audiences or uh, friends um, because that that's a true interpretation of a piece. And so what I mean by that is, uh, so there's Tiki Tiki Tembo. It's my, uh, one of my favorite stories, one of everyone's favorite stories of mine, and period. And so Tiki Tiki Tambo I tell on a djembe. It's a just uh, West African hand drum. And so you play it, and because the name is so rhythmic, I put it with a drum. So it sounded like this. Tiki Tiki Timbo, Nosa, Rimbo, Charibari, Richie, Pitberry, Timbo. Right? And that's cool. That's totally neat. So every time that happens, you get Tiki Tiki Timbo, Nosa, Rimbo, Charibari, Richie, Pitberry, Pimbo. Now, in this story, he gets trapped in a well, or his brother Chang gets trapped in a well, he gets trapped in a well, but his brother can't say his name. 
he gets out of breath because it's so long. And so they keep falling in the well, and there's sort of this, this emphasis of, like, almost there, and almost there, and almost there. And so if I just did the same thing each time, tiki-tiki-timbo, no-sa, rimbo, I, I'm not really conveying the message of the story. And so each time I get, like, tiki-tiki-timbo, no-sa, rimbo, tarberry, richie, pitberry, pimbo, tiki-tiki-timbo, no-sa, rimbo, tarberry, richie, pitberry, pimbo. And then so you work your voice and you work the instruments together to sort of create the uh, the arc of the story. And and that's part of that last 10% that I was mentioning. Uh-huh. Um, so you're playing the same pattern, but sped up? Sped up, slowed down, play differently at different parts of the drum, create uh-huh. different pitches, trying to um, imitate the inflection of my voice on the drum. So the low part of the drum, you get this boom, but as you move out, it gets higher pitched. And if you push into the drum, can change that and so just like when we talk we have inflection and so we don't speak in monotone especially for storytelling <laughs> and i try to work those together and um to me that's that's like the real fun part it's the nitty-gritty under the surface it's where you create depth in what you're working on because it's very easy to just go out there and say tiki tiki timbo no sarimbo right but like I want to tell more. Well, you that. want to tell more, and by changing the tempo, changing the pitch, changing you know the tone of your voice, the the audience is with you, right? Because as you're exactly. saying, like if you're just doing one thing, monotone, like it's it's nice, but like to 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 sort of meander in and out is gonna like that's gonna create real audience engagement. Yep, and I and and these are things that you don't you can't practice. At home. Right. Um, and that's a big part of it, right? Like, that's you, a huge you, part. You of can it. practice all you want at home. And you can, you can, but once you get in front of people, it takes on a different life. Absolutely. And a, a good example of that is, is, is how, well, okay, first off, it's best to fail. When I play stories and things go wrong, that's like great information. <laughs> right. Because, <laughs> like, you know what to fix. And then uh, one time I stumbled upon like the biggest thing that, that has helped my program, which is I forgot what I was doing. All right, I was playing a story and called The Turnip, which is on the first album, Lost Bicycle. And what happens in this story is an old man plants a turnip and it grows so big that he needs help from other people to pull it up. So it's a daisy chain story. You know, the old man is pulled by the old woman, he's pulled by the grandson and the dog, cat, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And at the, so what I did is I, I I built things up. So each time the old man's playing and I have a simple pattern, then the old woman joins and it gets a little crazier and so on and so forth. So in between all of those, I, I have a little pattern that's like, and they couldn't pull the turnip up. So they called the old woman. And then I forgot where I was going. And I'm supposed to hit a bell and they called the old woman. Ding, go. And I forgot what I was doing. So I said, and, and I held and, because in my brain, I was completely lost in this oh, performance. Wow. Yeah. I don't know what happened. It's like, and... And I hit the bell, ding, and it paused. And then I went into it, and the whole place erupted in laughter. And each time, then, I started dragging out the and, right? Yeah. And that's become the most popular part of my program, is when <laughs> I actually shut up and let silence happen. Oh, wow. Space. Yeah. It's like the most popular thing. So in each of my stories, I have these funny moments where I'll just like hold my breath or hold something out. 
and create this sort of separation from the time. And it's like the most anticipated part of what I do, which is so funny. Because it happened by accident because I got lost in what I was doing. I hit the bell and said, and then everyone just like lost it. And then each time I do it, everyone then stands up and they start yelling at me. They're like, hit it, hit it, hit it. And I'm like, and uh, ding. And they're like, yeah. (laughs) And that was was complete dumb luck. And then so that gave me insight that maybe I should be a little more flexible Mm. in my stories and be able to be reactionary to the audience. That's great. That's a, that's a big lesson, and, that's, and, and, and lessons come in interesting forms, right? Like you can you can never predict it. So, what are um, what are some of the instruments that you use? Everything and the kitchen sink. Okay, cool. Um, I have used a kitchen sink before. <laughs> um, so, what I what I specialize in, in in the percussion world is what's called a suitcase percussion. You can see that there are lots of small instruments. Uh-huh. Um, bells, blocks, tambourines, toys, metal objects, gongs, you name it. And when I say suitcase, suitcase percussion, it means because everything I have can fit in the suitcase. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, because when people yeah. think percussion, they're like drums and big things. And I have a, a marimba and a vibraphone and a drum set. And I have all that. But I don't do that for the storytelling. I bring tables. Uh-huh. Simple tables, like, like <laughs> it's a table. Like literally a table, yeah. Literally a table. And I set up all my stories in relation to these tables. So I might use a couple symbol stands and other things, but generally everything fits on a table uh-huh. so that it's flat and it's all right there. And that's kind of how that's I operate. So I, I use a lot of small objects, a lot of found objects, which is a lot of fun. Uh-huh. So random things that you find in um, antique stores or old bells, metal car parts, uh, anvils, brake drums. <laughs> anvils. Glass <laughs> bottles, uh-huh. all kinds of bottles, uh, clay pots. I'm looking terracotta pots, yeah. bowls, ceramic bowls, kitchenware. <laughs> I'm still looking anything yeah this is the drum studio by yeah, the way this, yeah yeah anything uh, that's great um any, and then of course with traditional instruments like cowbells shakers mm-hmm. wood blocks tambourines so it's sort of a mix if you yeah, will yeah <laughs> um so as a um your parent and i have little kids what what would you say is the easiest percussion instrument and I know this is sort of feels like a silly question, but I would love to know what you think. What, the easiest instrument to just pick up and play, the easiest percussion instrument. The easiest instrument. Um, well, wow. Boy. I mean, they're all kind of easy in their way, right? It, well, that's, that's why I, I like, that's why I personally like them, but that's why I also think that something like percussive storytelling um, is popular and works very well because i also go into schools and do workshops it's that as long as you can move you have a 99.9 percent chance of creating sound right away like i don't mean to belittle my profession no but there are so many ways you can hit a cowbell right okay (laughs) right you you pick up a stick and you hit it now of course i have a doctorate in percussion so i could tell you about (laughs) how to create these these rounded tones or, or more staccato in the different mouths. But but the bottom line is a, is a first, second, third grader or 
in my case uh, here, a two-year-old, uh-huh. doesn't have a problem picking up a stick and hitting something. So you get this, um, you get this like high, high, high success rate. I'm not playing tuba and telling stories. And that would take a kid years to learn how to play the tuba. Like, they're drums. It's percussion. Everyone knows how to do it. So because of that, you, you can jump in a little further with, um, in my case, the stories and the percussion. So the easiest one, I mean, man, they're all easy. But a simple drum is great because you you just have to physically play it. You see a result immediately. Yeah. You see a result. You pick your hand up. It goes down. It hits drum. Sound. Boom. You're done. You're in. Yeah. Exactly, you're in, and yeah. sure it may not be like a, a recording session worthy sound to, to some ears, yeah. but the bottom line is you can do it right away. You can hear the results, and as a kid, that means you can experiment. Mm-hmm. That means you can sit there and play and listen, and yeah, use your ears and let your ears guide you. Yeah. So as a doctor of percussion. A doctor of drumming, right? Like, who are some of your favorite drummers? Who do you listen to? And you're like, yes, this is the guy or or the girl. Drum set artist. Um, I think we can do two categories. I think we can can do two categories. Drum set artists or other percussionary artists. Um, Let's see here. Well, if we're talking like drum set, I'll I'll, I'll give you like three because they sort of encompass a range. One would be uh, Art Blakey, okay. old, old jazz cat. So we're, we're talking like more standard jazz. That's back, back a ways. Okay. Uh, then moving forward a bit, um, I'm sorry, but John Bonham. Oh, that's the only answer, I, in my opinion. <laughs> you know, I don't know how I can, can not say that. Uh-huh. Um, and, I mean, I'm, I'm going to sound like most people, but Neil Peart from Rush... <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't know how you can not say those names. Right. No, I, I know a few people whose whose sounds and techniques that that I that I like, but they're a little more specialized in the in the percussion world. Uh-huh. Um, but those those are the drum set. Uh-huh. The drum set guys. I'm, yeah. I'm a huge classic rock guy, um, so that's kind of where I. Where I fall back to. Uh-huh. That's a, that's the that's a great answer. I was like, it's got to be Bonham. It's got to be it's Bonham. Bonham. It yeah. is. It is. Yeah. And for those right. of you, well, for those of you who don't know, well, Corey and I are just going to oh. give you a quick tutorial. John Bonham <laughs> is the the drummer for Led Zeppelin. Legendary, legendary drummer. Legendary. No longer with us. No longer with us. But just, Google how that one happened. <laughs> yeah, right. we can't tell you that. But you should definitely listen to, uh, and you can add to this list. I, I'm going to give three, and then you can give three more. I'm going to oh, say geez. "Good Times, Bad Times." Got to listen to that. Yeah. You got to listen to Jamaica or Dire Maker, whatever you call it, and then "When the Levee Breaks." Those okay. Three, those three are the when ones the that I'll break, say. When the Levee Breaks. Is, yeah. yeah. The opening pattern of that. You know, there's a there's a a, a classical percussion ensemble piece called Bonham okay. with a set soloist and I think eight or ten percussionists around and they've taken the like drum set licks and a comp and like sort of interspersed it with all the other drummers uh-huh. and it starts out with the pattern from when a levy breaks you know it's so great yeah well um, uh, ladies and gentlemen you j- oh yeah yeah do you have anyone to add to that Oh, I'm sorry. You can just, you can hit play. I mean, <laughs> you, you will not. You will not go wrong. Um, yeah, you won't go wrong. 
Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, what you just witnessed was two big drum nerds nerding out That's about exactly drum what happened. <laughs> we, we we got nostalgic and pictured ourselves on stage in front of a hundred thousand people. Yeah, playing John Bonham's drum set. That's shredding, what happened. Shredding. Um, okay, so you got two albums, Lost Bicycle and Drum Factory. Um, how can we how can we find you? How can we stay tuned and stay up to date on everything that's happening with you? Sure. Uh, splatboombang.com. Huh. Interesting. I am splatboombang. That is my moniker. And that's, it's like, uh, you know, the old Batman show, whenever they, they like, hit something or whatever, yeah. it would be a, a cartoon graphic. Pow! Bam! Yeah. Wham! So I, I thought that what I do is kind of onomatopoetic. Mm-hmm. So my name is Splatboombang, and so you can go to splatboombang.com, which is the website, or find me on YouTube as Splatboombang, Facebook as Splatboombang, Instagram as Splatboombang. All of them. All of them as Splatboombang. <laughs> and and there you can find information on, on the program, um, on, on the storytelling program itself. Uh, videos, audio, where to buy things. I also have a children's book called oh. The Lost Bicycle, oh, cool. which was published. So that's the story of The Lost Bicycle is like separately taken out by a publisher, and and it's a fully illustrated children's book. And so you can find out where to nice. see that and or find those those things. Cool. Well, Corey, thanks so much for your time. This was really great to talk to you and hear about all the great, amazing stuff that you're doing. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. All right. Stay Um, tuned for more percussive storytelling fun. Stay tuned. (laughs) Corey Hills, folks. Splat, boom, bang. Couldn't be more up my alley. Percussive storytelling. Thanks to Corey for his time. Hope you all enjoyed that. Check him out. Find him. Splat, boom, bang. Thanks to everyone for listening. Be so kind. Be so kind as to share and to link and to like and to retweet and repost, whatever it is. You don't have to ask my permission. Just do it. Just do it. Like, do the whole thing. Like, whatever you want. Like, to tell everyone. We tell everyone. I mean, if they're into good stuff, they probably like this, right? Like, that's the name of the game. So keep your eyes peeled for Good Stuff Sports coming this week. And now... Here is I'm My Own Grandpa by Corey Hills from his album Drum Machine. www.goodstuffpod.com. That's me, Corey's Splat Boom Bang. Now, many, many years ago when I was 23, I married a sweet widow as pretty as could be. The widow had a grown-up daughter, had hair of red. My father fell in love with her soon. The two were wet. Made my dad my son-in-law and changed my very life. My daughter was my mother because she was my father's life. To complicate the matter, even though it brought me joy, I soon became the father of a bouncing baby boy. My little baby then became the brother-in-law to dad and so became my uncle, though it made me very separate. If he was my uncle, that also made him the brother of the widow's grown-up daughter, who of course was my stepmother. My father's wife then had a son who kept them on the run and he became my grandson for he was my daughter's son. My wife is now my mother's mother. And it makes me blue because she is my wife. She is my grandmother, too. Now... If my wife is my grandma, that makes me her grandchild. And every time I think of it, it nearly drives me wild. For now I have become the strangest case you ever saw. As husband of my grandmother, I am my own grandpa. I am my own grandpa. I am my own grandpa. It seems funny, I know, but it really is 
so. I'm my own grandpa. So, there you go. That is I'm my own grandpa. Well, the first verse at least. I mean, I really like this story. It's a silly story. But I wanted to try to tell it a different way. I know I can play the instruments fast, but I really wanted to challenge myself to see how fast I could actually talk. So, for your listening pleasure, here we go. Now, many, many years ago when I was 23, I married a sweet widow who's afraid to guess could be. The widow had a grown-up daughter, had hair around my father, fell in love with her soon, the two were wet. I'm son in law and she's my very love. My daughter was my mother because she was my father's life. To complicate the matter, even though it brought me joy, soon became the father of a bouncy baby boy. My little baby then became the brother in law to dad, and so became my uncle, the baby, very sad. If he was my uncle, that also made him the brother of widow's grown up daughter, of course, was my stepmother. My. I had to send a cup on the run and he became my girl. So he was my daughter's son. My wife's now my mother's mother and it makes me believe because she is my wife. She is my grandmother too. Now... If my wife is my grandma, that makes me her grandchild. Every time I think of it, it nearly drives me well. For now I have become the strangest case you ever saw. It's husband of my grandmother. I am my own grandpa. I am my own grandpa. I am my own grandpa. It seems silly, I know, but it really is so. I am my own grandpa. Good stuff.